man, we're getting better and better. I got, I got, I got like goosebumps, man. I don't get goosebumps very often. That's good. You know, I just, I have to keep saying this because it's just that good. And it's, aren't you thankful for the worship team? Amen. Yeah. Man. I was saying this last week, you know, I was very thankful, you know, right up to Jeej taking over the sound. Jeej in here? There he is. Jeej taking over the sound. There was like years where it was so bad I could barely handle myself. It was like suicidal. <laughs> and then there was years where maybe it wasn't even the sound guy's fault. Maybe it was the worship. I don't know. But I'm like, where I had to come up with, it was almost like mop-up duty. You have to come up and like fix everything that was broke during the worship set. You have to almost get kind of a star-like mentality of, you know what, I'll just fix it all. You know, I just, I'll fix it myself. But I'm so thankful we're not in those realms anymore. I really am. I'm so thankful that people took up mantles and like just being able to relax and worship, you know, and not to be up there going, what was that that I just heard? You know, some of, some of you aren't around during those times because you came post 2020, but I do. I remember those times, so I'm just very, very, very thankful. Are you ready for this this morning? Yeah. Now, as usual, it'll be very palatable, very easy to swallow, easy going, easy going message. It's not going to be tough as long as you love the Bible. If you love the Bible, you will survive and thrive in this church. If you don't love the Bible, you're gonna struggle. But that doesn't mean, by the way, that God has released you to leave. Just because you are struggling and you're like offended every time you walk in here, doesn't mean, A, that you are right. Offense doesn't mean that you're right. A nerve that's worked doesn't mean that you are correct, nor does it mean, number two, that God has released you to go. So if you are new, hang in there. I am probably the only pastor in the world where people give me their time in updates at the door. We've been coming here for a month now because they're telling me we've made it for a month. I'm like, congratulations. You've made it a month longer than most of humanity. People come up to me, this is our second week. I'm like, congratulations, you made it. Most people don't survive their first week. And I'm not even talking about the lost. You know that the lost find me, find this message, find this church more palatable than the saved? Because they're coming in, they don't, they don't have anything. They're like, what do I need? I'm just, here's the Bible, it'll save your soul, here it is. Let God burn it all to the ground. We're gonna talk about fire this morning. But let God burn it all to the ground. And they're good with it because they don't have anything else. They don't have preconceived ideas. They don't have preconceived theologies and ideologies and philosophies. They don't have any of those things. They're not offended when you tear down their theology using the Bible. Why would you ever be offended by your theology being torn down by the Bible? If your theology isn't the Bible, then you need to change your theology. It's hardcore too. It's yes, yes, no, no. It's, it's as simple as that. Whatever the Bible says, listen, that's the way, listen, I've told you this. I wish there weren't verses in the Bible that illustrate my own sin and my own compromise and my own weakness. 
but they're there. And, and God doesn't accommodate them. I wish, as I've told you a hundred times, I wish that temper tantrums weren't listed as a sin. I wish they weren't. I wish that I was allowed to take vengeance. I like vengeance. I want to take vengeance. I enjoy vengeance. My heart longs for vengeance. But I'm not allowed to do it. So since my feelings are vengeance, but the word of God is, is you are not allowed to take vengeance, then my feelings bow to the word of God. And that's the same thing with offense, by the way. You ever actually vocalize your offense? You might, my, what my wife makes me do is I get lost in my own mind. Sometimes I get lost, like I'm bothered by something. So she says, just tell me what it is. I'm like, no, no, you know, just tell me what it is. And then as I'm telling her, I'm like, this is the stupidest thing. <laughs> Once it gets out in the open air, I'm like, man, this is dumb. You should do that with, when you're offended. You know, nobody asked me if they could paint the walls blue. You have people dying all over the globe of various maladies and various wars and various atrocities, and you're worried about being offended because somebody didn't ask you about paint? And you're like, Tom, did you just make that up out of thin air? No, that was somebody who came up to me at the church, told me that. We really felt like we should have been consulted before you painted the church. It's all sorts of little blanks that I'm filling in. How about if I consult you before I do this? How about I consult you before I do that? But I'm not going to say them out loud. <laughs> if you are saved, I'm starting the message now, 11.03. If you are saved, you better know this, what I'm going to tell you this morning. Because you are targeted unless you've already been made useless. How dare you say that, Tom? Because, listen, a lot of Christians have been made useless. I told you, what have I told you? Is it, am I not preaching to myself right now? Are you not entertained? <laughs> preaching to myself right now, I've told you. I just turned 55. I wasted 50 years of my life. I've been saved since 18. So for 30, I wasted 32 years of salvation, basically. What do you mean by that, Tom? Were you off living in sin and carousing and drinking and partying? No, I wasn't doing any of those things. I was actually living a holy life. I turned from my sin. You're like, well, what do you mean? It wasn't always, because my wife will correct me on the way home. Listen, it wasn't always. You need to stop saying that. You need to stop telling people that you're moody because you license people to behave in bad ways. I'm not licensing anything, just so everybody knows. People who I work with knew that I was saved. I brought people to church. But for all intents and purposes, I was made useless because I was caught up in the world. Not caught up into sin. Caught up in my own mind. Caught up, just caught up in lost in work. Whatever it may be. I was caught up in the things of this world. And I wasted year after year after year like that. Caught up in my own mind. Made useless. You know, like people don't like, see how quiet it gets in here? Everybody, listen, you should be, you should be a tool of God, a vessel of God that his spirit flows through. And if there's not fruit, that means you are not one. Remember from last week, fruit is everything. Fruit is everything. 
There is nothing outside of fruit. If there is no fruit, then there is no tree. There is no prophet without prophecy. There is no soul winner without souls being saved. There is, there is no solid Christian without solidity. Fruit is everything. There's no, you're not a great parent if your kids aren't saved. You need to swallow it. It's true. Tom, do you consider yourself to be? No, I, my kids are both saved, but I still don't consider myself to be a great parent. I told you this before. Like I, I begged Hope for a year to have a third baby. For a year. Begged her for a year. She didn't want another baby. She was good with two. So I begged her for a year. to, And so on a very Hallmark moment, because <laughs> it was Christmas morning, they opened up a present. I'm trying to think of like an interesting town, snow globe, snow globe Wyoming together under a tree. No, we were just, we were in, we were in Inglewood, Florida. But anyway, I opened up a present and she said, basically on there, I'm ready. Let's have another baby. So I'm like, all right. And then the moment that I thought about it, I'm like, I don't want another baby. Because I'm like, I'm looking at the bell curve of how I was scoring as a parent. And I'm like, no kid deserves to have me as their parent. I'm like, you know what? That's it. I've had two. It's all that I have. You know, it's basically the same philosophy of, I'm not, I'm not immune from lust, but I'm immune from adultery. I'll never have an affair. Because I, I don't have the emotional energy to give another woman some sort of emotional, um, what are you thinking right now? I have no idea, lady. I don't have it. I barely have it to give it my own wife, let alone another one. So for a third kid, I'm like, I can't do it. I, I, can't, I can't do it anymore. So I was like, I was smart. And I said, you know what? I'm not that great of a parent. I get better as they get older. But I mean, I'm just not that great of a parent. I mean, listen, some of you, this is going to light the hope you'll correct me on the way home. I changed every diaper I watched the kids by myself. I changed copious, so you're probably thinking it's horrible. But no, I did all of those things. I, pray, I, you know, I played with my kids. I did all, the, all of that. But there was times where I was like, you know what? This is so boring. <laughs> I just ended up pretty much dragging them to whatever I was doing, which they seemed to like, so it was all right. But you just have to, you, you have to be honest with yourself and give yourself an assessment like I did. Listen, better, Psalm 84, 10. Better is one day in his courts than a thousand elsewhere. I mean, I, you can start right now. It doesn't, if you're 70, you got 50 years left of your life. I know, what, I know what the world and its lies tell you, but that's what the Bible says in Genesis 6, 3. That's what you have left of complete health if you want it. If you don't, go ahead and die. That's up to you. If you want to you call yourself old, then you will be old. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. You'll speak into existence that which you are. If that's what you want. I don't ever say those things, ever. Some of you always say it. Even, even people who've sat under my ministry for years, say it to me. And I'm like, do you want me to correct you every day of your life? Eventually I just give up. But I, for a certain time, I'm like, don't say that. Don't, don't say that garbage. 
But I'm digressing right now. This is off message. But I just, stop saying those things, whatever they are. What good does it do to say it? All you're doing is the devil cannot read your mind. Only God reads your mind. Only God knows your heart. The Lord does not look at the things man looks at. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. He knows your heart and heart and mind and scripture are synonymous. God knows what you're thinking. God knows what's on your heart. God knows your heart. Devil does it until you speak it. People don't know it until you speak it. Let it be. Sometimes there's things that just don't need to be said. Well, contemplate them for a while. Wait on the Lord. And then decide whether you really want to speak it or not. But if you are saved, you better hear this because you are targeted for destruction. The world is already destroyed. They don't drop bombs on destroyed buildings. They drop bombs on existing buildings. You're being targeted by the enemy who uses either people who are filled with demons or people who are demonically influenced. But you are being targeted to be made useless. You don't even need your salvation taken from you. Sometimes Christians are, are, are better at causing souls to go to hell than the devil. Seriously. Listen, the devil is a very linear person. You get into, you get into a, a Christian who, has, who actually has some spiritual thought, the devil doesn't know the things that you know. He just fools you. Everybody always talks how, how, much, how smart he is and all that. Listen, only in a carnal way. He doesn't even know what you know about Jesus. He doesn't know. But you, so you take a Christian with a little bit of revelation, they can be used to drive people away from God. Because the devil doesn't have the insight to do it. The Christian does. Where do all the false prophets come from? The World Economic Forum? No, inside the church. You are targeted unless you've already been made useless. Proverbs 21, 16. The man that wandereth, did I get that verse right, guys? Yeah, 21, 16. I can't read my own writing. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding the man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of the dead. That means they had to have once been in the way of understanding. When you hear something that confronts you, don't run from it. It might be right. Some of you didn't want to hear. Well, it makes me a lousy parent that my kids aren't saved. Well, that's the truth. In that area, you were lousy. I'm sorry. I can tell you this, that basically every bad thing that's been unleashed upon my house came from me. All the problems that are usually happening in my house throughout the years, there hardly are any anymore, but the ones that have, the holes in the walls, literally, didn't come from Hope or Tommy, let alone Norma. And there's been more than one that came from me. Before and during me being the pastor of this church. <laughs> it came from me. The man that wandereth out of the way of understanding shall remain in the congregation of being dead. Don't run from it. And then, by the way, it's not all correction. What's the way of understanding? 
That you're a joint heir with Jesus Christ in full expectation of healing, prosperity, victory, a great and abundant life. That's the way of understanding. People will run from that faster than they'll run from hellfire and brimstone. They'll run from you telling them that you're struggling with unbelief faster than they'll run from hellfire and brimstone. It's more offensive to people. Preaching prosperity to people is actually more offensive to them than hellfire and brimstone. Even though it's firmly, firmly in place in the Bible, etched in stone in the Bible. 2 Corinthians 8, 9, you are caused to prosper. Through Jesus' poverty, you are caused to prosper. You are not only caused to prosper, you are caused to be made wealthy. Well, you know, I believe it's an attribute to be poor. That's not the Bible. And where are you getting that from? I know where you're getting it from. I know you're getting it from Mark 10, 25. That's easier for, for a rich man to go through the eye of a needle. It is easier for a camel to go through the eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. What was he talking about then? Why did the apostles say, well, then who can go in? He's basically talking to everybody because everybody's rich. In America, I don't care where you live in here. I, I've, li I've lived since I started my, sheriff, my career at the sheriff's office in 1992. At that time, I lived with my dad. I was rich, but living with my dad. I then moved to a one-room house that I rented for $350 a month. Can you believe it? That was the time. That was the way it was. Probably like two grand a month now to live in that same house. But anyway, I went from there. Then I went to living in a, a, a modular home, really a mobile home on a school campus until they kicked me out because I never answered my phone. <laughs> surprise, surprise, right, Jeff? They kicked me out, and then I, I had to run to Hope, and I said, what am I gonna do? They're kicking me out. I ran to my girlfriend. She was my girlfriend at the time. I'll find you a place. I've been, I've been, I've been absolutely useless for a long time. <laughs> I couldn't even find my own house. What am I gonna do? I'll find you, I'll find you something. And she moved, I got, she moved me into, she moved me into, the Falls of Venice apartment complex is named something else now, but it's still standing. I've lived everywhere. My first year at the sheriff's office, you know what my salary was? $17,000 a year. But at the poorest I ever was, I was wealthy. That's why the apostles said to him, and by the way, the apostles were business owners and wealthy. It's not an attribute to be poor. It's a detriment to be poor. So claim your share. Tom, did you just say claim as a name and claim? Yep. <laughs> claim your share. God wants you to be wealthy. If you don't want it, give it all away. Just give it away. Why don't you actually feed the poor instead of being the poor? How, are, how, how in the world are you ever going to be where you have all these people, and I know you've heard me preach this before, if all these people, I just think it's disgusting that that preacher's got a private jet and flies around all over the globe. All right. Well, the two preachers that I know personally that use private jets, um, they feed, Jonathan, I believe, is up to 2,000 people a day. Um, and Pastor Rodney, I believe, is 1,500 families a day that he feeds. So, yeah, they might be worth millions of dollars, but they're also giving millions of dollars. Where the person who is back, they're going, well, they shouldn't be driving around, flying around their private jets. They feed no one. So can't you have both? 
Or maybe you can't have one without the other. Maybe God wants you to be wealthy because he just loves you. And out of the overflow of that, you feed, you feed the hungry. Maybe that's actually the design of the Bible, which by the way, when to ruin the ending, it is the design of the Bible. Which has nothing to do again with this message. I'm, just, I'm, I'm, just, I'm, I'm tired of looking at Christians being in slavery to finances. You better get this now. Because they're coming after you with hyperinflation to drive you into a, a, a guaranteed governmental income. So they're driving you into. That's what they're doing right now in Canada. They've just unleashed, and I mean that word, they just unleashed their guaranteed government monthly income. The prices are so high in Canada and in the United States that people, can, I, I could, and I've said this on the podcast a thousand times, I could, I could use the entire 90 minutes of the podcast, which of course I always stretch to 120 minutes of the podcast. I could use the entire time and show you video after video after video after video of people ages 20 to 35 in the United States and Canada putting out desperate videos on TikTok and saying we just, we can't afford anything. Your four rows of toilet paper is 15 bucks. We can't afford anything. That's on purpose. They're purposely making it so you cannot afford things. So you have to go to them for assistance. And once you have to go to them for a basic monthly income, a guaranteed monthly income, then they can pull it whenever you don't vote correctly or you go buy a gun or you say that a man's a man and a woman a woman and there's only two genders. Well, you know what? Your income is revoked then. That's the purpose to control you. This is, look at me now, I'm looking at the camera too. I appreciate all of you that are watching right now. I don't know what our numbers are, but, but I appreciate last week, last week we broke, broke a record. We had more people watching than ever last week. 390 people watching live. But you just better understand this. You don't want to be a part of that economy. So get rich. If you're rich, what does inflation mean? Nothing. If you got, if you got $10 million in the bank, what does toilet paper really matter if it's $15? Nothing. Get out of the realm of mediocrity. I, and listen, I don't care if you're 63 years old and you've always been lower middle class. You can break out right now. Amen. And you're already retired. Yeah. You can break out right now. Jesse Duplantis, Duplantis says this. I don't, I don't do anything for a living. I do things for a giving. He, does, he, he just does his giving. And that's his income. That's how it comes back. He's one of the hardest working men there are in the gospel. I'm just telling you. He derives his income from his giving. And if you do that and you make everything a seed to the Lord, be not deceived, God is not mocked. He is the Lord of the harvest. Be not deceived, God is not mocked. Whatever you put into the ground is coming up. All you gotta do is put a tag on that bad boy. I do it all the time. It always works. I do it all the time. And this isn't the message, I'm way off now. Lord, this is, this is what I expect. This is seed. This is seed. I'm just letting you know, this is seed, and this is my expectation of the seed that I'm putting in the ground. If you don't live in that level of specificity, you'll reap what you sow. Generalities and nothing. Don't live in generalities and nothing. Live in the specific. You are being targeted to usher you into the congregation of the dead via the rejection of understanding. Don't reject it. No matter how big the horse pill is, swallow it, because it's coming from God. How does this work? How does this work? 
watering down messages to attract people. It's not happening in the world. It's happening in the church. Usher them in to the congregation of the dead by rejecting understanding. If you are watering down messages, you're actually rejecting understanding. My people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. That's one of those verses. That's Hosea 4, 6. That's one of those verses that people only use the first half, always. It's like, now thanks be unto God, which always causes us to triumph in Christ. That's all people ever say, 2 Corinthians 2, 14. That's all they ever use. But maketh manifest the savour of his knowledge, the smell of his knowledge by us in every place. This is the second part of the verse. Because thou hast rejected knowledge, I will also reject you. God, uh, Tom, this is the modern church. We don't say that God rejects people. Um, that means, listen, you need to choose the Bible over the modern church vernacular. God does reject people. They're burning in hell for all of eternity right now. He does. That's the, well, we don't, we also, Tom, and it's, you know, this is called hyper grace fellowship. Friendship, food, fellowship, and fun. Now, we don't talk about hell here. You don't talk about hell, everybody in the room's going there. You better talk about it. Otherwise, you're ushering everybody into the congregation of the dead. So if you water down your message, messages to quote, unquote, save people, what did you save them to? If you've watered it down to save them, as you hear me make fun of this all the time, fresh starts and new beginnings. I'll do it, well, I'll do it the art church passed away. Fresh starts and new beginnings. What have you saved them to? If you've saved them to, you know what? We're just very open here. You know, uh, you choose God. Other people choose Muhammad. Um, other people choose Buddha. You know, um, you, if you want to live the life of a homosexual, you can. You can continue to watch porn. It's okay. You know what? We're very accommodating here. Just come to Jesus. See, that, they will, they'll say it. That, that is now the representation of Jesus, is to be all accommodating, which he's not. In any, in any way, shape, or form. I mean, you look at John 14, 6, John 14, 6, in and of itself. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. It's not accommodating. It invalidates that entire thing, but they still put the name of Jesus on top of it. That's why you have Psalm 138, too. Well, I will worship toward your holy temple. And praise your name for your loving kindness and your truth. For you have magnified your word above all your name. Because you can lump the name on anything, but the word trumps the name. God did it. Not me. God did it. He magnified his, his word above his name because he knew people would blaspheme his name. He knew they would. So if you, if you water down messages to attract people, to save people, what have you attracted them to but heresy? What have you saved them to but heresy? What are we supposed to do? 1 Peter 1, 23. Having been born again, not of corruptible seed, but incorruptible, let's listen, through the word of God. Saved through the word of God. If you're saved through lack of repentance, you're not saved. Through the word of God is wholesale, 180 degree turn, violent. The kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. A violent 180 degree turn. If you, want to, if you want to fix any problem in your life, be spiritually 
violent. Take a 180 degree turn now. Not tomorrow, don't schedule counseling, now. Watch what happens. I was thinking about this in the shower this morning about irritating people. They're not anointed, they're annoying. And I just wanna tell you this if you're annoying. If people find you annoying, stop doing annoying things. You're not eventually gonna break through. You will never break through. There's people, you know, it never hurts to ask. Yeah, it does. If it's a really stupid question, there are no stupid, yes, there are, there's stupid questions. If you're somebody like hints, you know, boy, I just wish I had that because you're hoping the person will give it to you. You know, the person has a nice watch on, oh, I've always wanted that watch. You're annoying. You know how you fix it? Stop being annoying. Now. Stop, stop being, oh, you know, squeaky wheel gets the grease. Not for me. Squeaky wheel gets kicked off the machine. Stop believing. None of those things are Bible verses. Never hurts to ask. There are no stupid questions. Squeaky wheel gets the grease. None of those, none of those are Bible verses. You shouldn't be living by them. You're like, Tom, it's because you hate annoying people. That's exactly wrong. It really is completely wrong. I feel bad for them because they think, you know what? I know it's not working. Now I'm 58 and it hasn't worked for 58 years. But you know what? By the time I'm 62, it's going to break through and people will finally understand me. No, they won't. No, they won't. Stop now. Stop now. 180 degree violent turn away. And it'll work. Your whole life will change. You know what, you know what that entails for most of us? Don't say anything. Don't talk. Just sit in a Bible study and for once in your life, don't give your opinion. Try it. You're welcome. See how quiet it gets in here? That's, that, I told you this is still all under that message series. Matthew eleven twelve, And from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. Take violent action. Now. If you treat people like garbage, stop doing it. Now. If you never worship and you sit here like a bump on a log, you look like you're lobotomized. I look around the room, it looks like some people have been lobotomized. I'd rather you look mad. I'd rather you flip me the bird. <laughs> At least there's some passion behind it. <laughs> At least there's some evidence of life. So if you win people to a watered down gospel, what have you won them to? Absolutely nothing. You've actually won them to the synagogue of Satan, which I'll get to in a minute. If you didn't win them through the word, to the word, what did you win them to? That's the question. So it's very popular now to be accommodating. Very popular. Now the word is, out of 2 Corinthians chapter 10, three through six, we are to be pulling down strongholds. Is that correct? Yes. Casting down imaginations that sets themselves up against the knowledge of God. Is that correct? Yes. Pulling down strongholds, 
casting down imaginations, not embracing them. Correct? All right, so why is the modern preaching embracing strongholds? If it's a temptation, should you be embracing it? Let's look. 1 Corinthians 6, 9, and 10. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Now, what did he just label these people? Um, Tom, again, here at Hyper Grace Fellowship, Friendship Food Fellowship and Fun, we don't label people. Well, I do. So that's the way it is. God does, so I do. Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? So who are these people that are unrighteous? Again, 1 Corinthians 6, 9, 10. Do not be deceived, neither fornicators, those who are having sex outside of marriage, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. So if, if anybody is doing any of these things, these are all temptations, correct? It's temptation to commit adultery. For some people, a temptation for idolatry, for fornication, for homosexuality, whatever it may be, right? So how can any of these things be righteous if they're temptations? But the modern church is starting to embrace, namely, homosexuality. And they will now, I'm telling you, the next step is more than one way. That's coming next. But if homosexuality, and you're like, Tom, why pick on homosexuality? You can put it in anyone you want. Because they're also embracing fornication, too. Well, you know, just try. You know, you've received Jesus, you have that. You can't receive Jesus and still be living in sin. Can't. Listen to me, you can't. If we deliberately keep on sinning, after we have received the knowledge of the truth, no sacrifice for sins is left, but only, but only a fearful expectation of judgment and of raging fire that will consume the enemies of God. Hebrews 10, 26 and 27, written to the church of Jerusalem. That's a fact. So, Tom, I hear, I hear these conservative Christian pundits always are saying things like that. You know, you're not, you're not allowed to judge. That's not right either. I mean, we won't go over that because I say, talk about that all the time. You are allowed to judge. Only if you're doing the same things are you not allowed to judge. Well, they'll say that all the time. You'll be like, you know, you can't tell people that they can't be a Christian. Yes, you can. You slaughter the unborn, you're not a Christian. I don't care what church you go to. I don't care if you're black. I don't care if you're white. I don't care if you're Hispanic. I don't care what you are. You slaughter the unborn, you're gonna die and go straight to hell as a murderer. Just so you know. That's, that's the way that it is. And listen, will I lose people from, for, for what I'm saying? Of course, listen. Jesus, many of his disciples, John 6, 53 through 67, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. Why? Because he simply said that you have to drink my blood and eat my flesh. And they said, this is a hard saying, who can receive it? And they, many of his disciples, quote, went back and walked with him no more. These are people who saw him raise the dead, give sight to the blind, walk on the water. By Jesus. Because he made a statement that was hard for them. Just because it's hard doesn't make it wrong. You can't be saved and say, you know what? I'm gonna come up and receive Jesus at this lukewarm, accommodating church, but I'm still gonna sleep with my girlfriend. You're not saved. You are not saved. They'll tell you that you're saved. That's why you have, and you hear me preach this all the time, but that's why you have Matthew 7, 21 through 23. Not everyone who saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father, which is in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name, and in thy name have cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. And then will I profess unto them, I never knew you. 
Depart from me, ye that work iniquity, ye that continued in your sin. Well, that's works-based salvation. No, no, no. Repentance of sin is faith. It's got nothing to do with works. It is faith to repent from sin. Obedience is faith. Hebrews 3, 18 and 19. To whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest? But to those who did not obey. So we see that they could not enter in because of their unbelief. Not obeying is a lack of faith. You don't even enter into the faith covenant if you don't turn from your sin. So how is it that any of these people are saved if, if temptation's being accommodated? James 1.12. Blessed is the man that endureth temptation, that defeats temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life, which the Lord hath promised to them that love him. What does it mean to love God? 1 John 5.3, obey his commands. That's it, by the way. Do you know that's the sole definition for loving God? Is to obey him. And yet in churches now where they are winning people to Christ, they're winning people actually to the devil who's been named Jesus. That should sound familiar to you as an anti James 1, 13 and 14. When tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. For God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. Each one is tempted when by his own evil desire he is dragged away and enticed. So if you're telling people they can remain in their sin, you're telling them that they can remain in their own evil desire? I am pulling down strongholds of the modern church. Pull them down with me. Listen, I want to tell you this. It doesn't work, so don't do it. Don't go on a mission today and go on Facebook and get into a debate war with somebody who attends an accommodating, lukewarm church, which, by the way, is 99.9% of all churches worldwide. We all found out because they strapped masks on and stood six feet apart like a bunch of dum-dums. If you have an idiot telling you to stand six, six feet apart, what does it make you to stand six feet apart? There you go. <laughs> it's the truth. That's just the truth. How did they come up with six feet? Anybody know? Anybody know? Scott Gottlieb did it. He's on the board of Pfizer. He's the one who did it. He was actually on the original COVID-19 task force. He just made it up. He said it, he said it publicly. I just made it up out of thin air. I had no idea. There's no science behind it at all. It just said six feet. And everyone goes, six feet. Yeah, I told you last week, there's people actually made hula hoops with a radius of six feet around them or walking around in them. You know, I never thought about, I remember I walked into a store at the beginning of this thing. It was right when it was like percolating. You know what I mean? Like that percolation that you get right after you had one too many chicken wings. Because that's how I look at it as a, as a tire, a, a, a complete bleep storm. And I'm walking into, I think it was an office depot. And so for me, because for me, none of it ever mattered. So people come up to me to this day, don't let me forget office depot. People come up to me today and they're sick. Don't come near me. I'm sick. And I look them in the eye and go, I don't care. I'm not worried about your sickness. I ain't getting it. And we're going to pray, and you're going to be well in a second, so don't, don't worry about it. 
So I'm walking into this Office Depot and there's young girls in there that are working. One of them's absolutely petrified to come within 20 feet of anybody. They had put up the stanchions at that point, so you had to walk in the store and go, um, I would like the following items. Four packages of paper, two staplers, two boxes of staples. Because you weren't allowed to roam through the store because COVID will get you. And I, it actually broke my heart for the girl. I'm like, she's young. I don't mean, she's an adult. She shouldn't have been this stupid, but she was young and stupid. And now she's petrified of a disease she has no chance of dying of. It's just a sad state of affairs. And just always remember, whoever you're receiving from, you should look at my life. You should. How many of you are receiving from me this morning? Yeah. All right, you should look at my life. You should. If, listen. If my life was a complete disaster, if, if, if Hope was my fourth wife and we weren't doing well, you should be thinking, okay, maybe I shouldn't be receiving from this guy. You should look at it because if you're receiving from an idiot, that makes you a, idiot. right? It really is that easy. Be not deceived, God's not mocked. Whatever man sows, that shall he also reap. I refuse to receive anything from foolish people. And I'll do it. Now, Tom, can we bring you, some stranger walks up to me. I've learned this the hard way. Stranger walks up, um, can I bring you some correction? No, absolutely not. I don't know you. Chances are I'll never see you again because you're already offended enough to feel like you need to correct me. Is that, Tom, does that mean that you are immune from correction? No, I get corrected all the time. I get corrected by the Holy Ghost all the time. I get corrected from my wife all the time. I get corrected. Listen, I get corrected. I get corrected from my son. I get corrected from my daughter. I get corrected. And when I'm wrong, I just say that I'm wrong. I'm not immune from correction. But I don't receive it from everybody. If Travis gives me correction, I'll receive it from Travis. But I'm not going to receive it from anybody. Comes up to me at the door. Hey, you know, it's our first time here, and we're, we're traveling apostles. And uh, <laughs> we'll just go travel up your own rear end. <laughs> Follow the mask and needles and everything else I've had people shove up there for the last three years. <laughs> what about Correction. Where do you stand with correction? And again, it's not just you're sinning or you're wrong. It can be what you're not right about. It can be what you're not receiving. It can be about you not realizing who you are. You realize what you are and who you are? I don't care what you look like. I don't care if you're thin. I don't care if you're fat. I don't care if you're somewhere in between. I don't care if you're bearded, unbearded, what the world calls beautiful, or the, what the world calls ugly. I don't care. Do you realize who you are? And people, listen, what happens with this, I'm gonna tell you this. A lot of times, don't let me forget who you are. Don't let me forget. I feel like a lot of times, and listen, for those of you who get offended by me using weight jokes and fat and stuff like that, Get over it. But anyway, <laughs> I've, I've struggled with my weight most of my life. So starting in the eighth grade. 
So I get it. It's just like I told you last week, a procrastinator always knows what time it is. Always. Well, I've got three minutes. I've got two minutes. I've got 30 seconds. I'm a procrastinator. I know. I always know what time it is. I can guess the time to almost, almost to the number all the time. I got it. It's the same thing. I can, I can tell immediately when you're losing weight. I catch somebody. Oh, you call, you lost weight. I wish I was losing weight. I you lost weight. <laughs> Fat people know their own kind. I'm like, there's one, there's one of my brethren. He's dropped some weight. Good job for you. But I feel like a lot of times when I go to conferences, what it is is a bunch of people who come every year, say it was a fat conference, a weight loss conference, and everybody comes every year fat, leaves fat, comes back to the conference fat, and then, but while they're at the conference, yell and scream and shout they're going to lose weight. This is going to be the thinnest year of your life. Hey, hey. They never do it. But they still can get excited about it. I don't. I said, I said at a conference, like, God's going to do this and God's going to do that. And I think to myself, okay, what am I going to have to do, though? I'm not like, yay, yay, my ship is coming in. It's going to happen. But it didn't happen. You were here last year, it didn't happen. You were here the year before, it didn't happen. You were here the year before that, and it didn't happen. You were here two decades ago, and it still hasn't happened. Why? Because you refuse correction. You yell and shout at the prophetic message, which is actually true. That God wants to give you abundant, because a lot of times I'm in a minister's conference, God wants to give you an abundant ministry. You're going to break through in your ministry. You're going to save thousands of souls. That's what God has for you. It is. He has that for every person in this room, to be a part of a ministry like that. It does. Everybody. And for you to, to, for you to heal the sick, raise the dead, give sight to the blind. He has that. He has that. For everybody, according to their gifts and callings. He has that. But what will you do to get it? People, people will hear that they have it. Yes, yes, I have it, I have it, I have it. Okay, you have it, but it's not manifested. And you keep yelling, you're excited about that you have it, but it, there's nothing. It's, it's, again, it's akin to you have millions of dollars, but you don't have the access code to the millions of dollars. You have it. Oh, I'm excited about it, but you're never going to be able to touch it. The people come to these conferences over and over and over again, and they're told, this is what you have, but they never do what it takes to manifest it. See, that's all that I think of. And I'm not one that gets overly, this is going to sound horrible to some of you. Horrible, horrible. So be ready. I don't get super excited when people get saved. Why? Because I know the parable of the sower. I have it memorized in my head. I got it right up here. It's Mark, I mean Luke chapter 8, 11 through 15. I got it. I'll quote the whole thing to you right now. Got it memorized. I know the parable of the sower, and I know that three out of the four seeds don't go well. So I'm concerned for the person. I know now that they're, now they're targeted. I rejoice that now they have a shot, but they have to endure until the end. It's not Calvinism. Calvinism is not in the Bible. Calvinism is made up so people could coagulate human beings. Just you know, once you're saved, you're always saved. Just keep coming to the church and pay your tithe so I can make a six-figure salary as a pastor. Which I don't have a problem with people making six-figure salary as a pastor. I'm just telling you, you have to watch your motives. Why, why are you trying to keep people in the building? Why? I love that. Listen, I love all the people in this building. I love that you're here. I really do. 
I want you to stay. Is that, is that loving enough? I want you to stay. Do you realize how much more powerful want is than need? I would much rather be wanted than needed. I want you. I do. I want you in this church, but I don't need you. You know why? Because it doesn't matter what people do or do not do. God's gifts and his call are irrevocable. He's never not going to give me a church. He's never going to not get, listen, he's never going to not give me a congregation. Even when I was consumed by the world, God still brought me 200 people every week. He's consumed by the world. Very frustrated, bitter person. Probably even hated the 200 people that were sitting in front of me. <laughs> but do you realize who you are? You, you, again, don't receive it like you're at a fat conference and you're never going to become thin. Oh, I know who I am. Yes, join heirs, join heirs. Yes, yeah, well then live like one. Some of you, I'm looking at your face. You don't think I look at your face. I'm scanning this entire crowd. The only people I can't see are the first four rows. I'm looking at every one of the rest of you. Some of you, you're, I mean, maybe you need a hobby or something. I, I don't know. Something you need, listen, something needs to invigorate you in life. <laughs> I got, you're happy. I got you. I appreciate, I appreciate that, by the way. God bless you. <laughs> you should see the facial expressions I'm seeing. I, so, I thank God I'm no longer a worship leader. I just dumped that all on Aaron. It's like she's coming in and trying to start a rusty lawnmower. At <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Come on. But you know, you, you've got to realize who you are, but not in a sedentary way. You're going to have to release it through prayer, Bible study, worship, and fellowship. Release it. Ask for God to open doors. Ask God to close doors. Ask God for divine appointments. And release it. Don't come back to the fat conference fat. You're welcome. Correction. Where do you stand with it? Well, I just gave you correction. You're a joint heir with Jesus. You've been giving, given every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, Ephesians 1.3. A joint heir, Romans 8.16 and 17. You've been given all things, Romans chapter 8, verse 32. Amen. Now, what are you going to do with it? Where are they? Where are they? Be corrected. Be corrected and Produce. 50 years I was uncorrected. I needed Rodney Howard Brown. I needed him. Had to have him. It wasn't working out for me. And people would have killed for what I had. I made a living as a pastor. Had 200, 250 people there on the big years. We vacillated between, you know, 175, 250 people, 150, 250, whatever. But people would have killed for what I had. Because the most average sized church in America is around 20, 30 people. It would, they would have killed for what happened, but it was, I, I, wouldn't have be, I wouldn't even be pastoring right now probably wasn't for RHB, Rodney Howard Brown. I needed somebody to correct me. I receive it. Why can't you? You honestly think, if anybody knows Rodney personally in here, you honestly think he ever hesitates to say what needs to be said? Never. Never. 
And he's super sweet. He's way sweeter than I am when it comes to correction. He's not, not as sweet as I am in other things. It all depends. Proverbs 15:10. Stern discipline awaits him who leaves the path. He who hates correction will die. Do you bristle up at it? Everybody has a tendency to bristle up at it because we think of ourselves more highly than we ought. Romans 12, 3. You bristle up on it. Well, you know, I don't really think it's right for Tom to say that, you know, I'm not bearing any fruit. Well, you aren't bearing any fruit, so what's wrong with saying you're not bearing any fruit? I just said it about myself for 50 years. He who hates correction will be ushered into the congregation of the dead. He who hates correction will die. Proverbs 9, 7, Proverbs chapter 9, verse 7, 8. Whoever corrects a mocker invites insult. Whoever rebukes a wicked man occurs abuse. Do not rebuke a mocker or he will hate you. Rebuke a wise man and he will love you. Which one are you? Here's the choices. A mo- correct a mocker, a wicked man, or a wise man. Only the wise man receives correction. I don't believe that anybody should be rich. You're not wise. I just corrected you on that. I gave you the Bible verse, 2 Corinthians 8 9. You are called to be rich. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for your sakes he became poor, that you through his poverty might become rich. As much as he became sin for you, he became poverty for you. As much as he became sin for you to receive forgiveness of sin, he became poverty for you to receive wealth. You are, you are just corrected. Now will you receive it? Doesn't feel right, doesn't feel right. That's because you've been lied to your whole life. Your conscience has actually been seared. What you think is right is wrong. What you think is wrong is right. That's the entire world. I call it the inverted world that we're living in right now. If we don't receive correction, then we'll stay exactly where we are. In both directions, whether it's correction of you know what you're sinning, you're compromising, or do you not know who you are? I'm correcting you. I'm telling you how great you are. You've been made great in Jesus. You've been made a king or a queen by Jesus. You've been made the new Levitical order by Jesus. That's correction. As well as if you're a liar, stop lying. You're gonna go to hell for it. That's correction too, don't hate it. A lot of Christians are bold-faced freaking liars. They are. They lie all the time. They think that's some sort of exemption. Why, um, excuse me. Um, why couldn't you come to my daughter's birthday party? I was just too busy. No, you weren't. You didn't want to go. Say it to her. I do. I had some folks that invited me to a party, and it was one of those parties where people are like, you have to like play characters and stuff like that. I mean, honestly. Come on. <laughs> Wonderful people, great people, stalwart people attend this church, love, every, love them to death. They're, they're exceptions to the greatness rule. But I just told them, well, I don't want to go. <laughs> not too busy. People come up to me, Tom, we know how busy you are. I'm not that busy. I'm not. I study the Bible, I scream at people, and I do broadcasts. That's all I do. I attend a conference at Rodney Howard Brown's church about every three months. That's what I do. So I'm not that busy. I just don't want to go. Well, Tom, you know, we wanted to invite you to my 
daughter's one-year birthday party. I'm not coming. I don't want to go. I love you, and have, that's a family thing, and enjoy it. I had my family things, and I had my one-year-old birthday parties, and I've done all that. I'm not going. I don't want to go. I just, people will ask, why, don't you, why, why can't you come? I don't want to. It's, it's honest. Don't be a liar. Oh, we're just too busy. No, I don't want to go. I got invited to a wedding. Why aren't you coming? Well, here's why I'm not coming. I never see you ever. Ever. I haven't seen you in two years. You used to attend this church. You blew off the church. You blew me off. It's been two years since I've even seen you. Now you invite me to your wedding, so I'll drop a $500 gift on you. No, I ain't coming. Why aren't you coming? I don't want to. Don't be a liar about anything. Oh, well, I'm too busy. Well, this happened and that happened. No, no. Why were you late? As I'm, again, procrastinator, so I'm late all the time. Tom, why were you late? It's just me. I'll tell you this one. Hope will hate me for telling you. It says nothing to do with you, babe. Nothing to do with you, babe. She doesn't like me to reveal too much of my fault, too many of my faults. Because she thinks, the reason why, she's not worried about me hurting my reputation. She doesn't want to license bad behavior in you. Well, Tom does it. You need to understand something. When I say that I'm moody, that doesn't mean I unleash hell on my family. I don't do that. When I'm moody, I'm just quiet and off to myself. Not tearing down the walls and screaming at people and belittling people. I don't do any of those things. Because this happened before, where people have quoted me to their wives, and I'm like, uh, misinterpretation. <laughs> you sound like Tom Ipley. No, not really. Okay, missed all mistranslation here. But recently, I was on a phone call with a minister friend of mine, and I just acted like a jerk. I was a jerk. He just caught me at the wrong moment, and I was just basically exclaiming all that God can't do, whatever. I was just an idiot, just a total idiot. So I, I got a hold of him yesterday, and I said, because it was like, you know, I don't know, 10 days ago or something like that. So I got a hold of him and I said, listen, I was gonna call you, but I know that you're busy right now. I knew where he was, he was busy. And I said, uh, I just wanted to tell you that I was sorry. I mean, he goes, well, I know there was reasons for it. I said, no, there was no reason. I don't even wanna, see, I'll tell you the word that I said. No, it's just me being a piss ant. That's what I said. <laughs> I don't cuss, that's as bad as I get, it's piss ant. All right, I'm just, that's what I, well, that's what I said. I don't make excuses about it. No, there's just been a lot of things that have happened, you know, and I just was stressed. No, it's just me being a jerk. A glistening pile of turd. That's what it was. There's no way around it. I don't make excuses and I'm not gonna lie about it. It was what it was. It's the truth. Don't hate correction. Don't hate the truth. It's already true. And you're gonna be judged by it anyway. It's because you wanna call yourself a great parent and all your kids are on drugs. God knows you're not a great parent. He already knows. And he knows all of my faults and failings too. I don't hide from them. I talk about them with God. Lord, you know, I struggle with this. Did it again, God. I don't, I don't sit there and, well, you know, God, the reason why I fail is because mommy did this to me. <laughs> I had a rough childhood. Uh, son, you're 55. Childhood ended at 18. That's a lot of years in between, Okay. I think we need to drop the childhood thing. So if you water down the gospel to win people, what did you win them to? 
You won them to corruption through a corrupted seed. It's all fruit of the poisonous tree for those of you in law enforcement. It's actually the synagogue of Satan when you win people to a false gospel. That's why everybody put masks on. They were one to a false gospel. You telling me, Tom, that everybody who wore a mask is the same? No, I'm telling you they're weak and they're vulnerable. They're vulnerable to the Antichrist. It's very, very likely. Now, I'm not talking about those who have come up and said, you know what, I've had people in this church, I was just a stupid idiot, man. What was I thinking? Listen to that garbage. I gave into it for a month and I feel like, and like I, I, Aaron knows this because I've said it on the podcast a million times. I've only heard two people come out who are very big names and say they were wrong. And I, I'm including all pastors. I'm talking about, I, I'm putting it in the entire conservative universe. I've only heard two, I've only heard two people. And by the way, you're, I don't mean this to be haughty. If I haven't heard it, it hasn't happened. Nobody, nobody gathers more information than me. I come in, the podcast is 10 times what I ever use, ready to go. Last night, we uploaded 52 slides. I used seven. And I get made fun of <laughs> the entire time. But... Nobody has come out and said they were wrong. Who are the two people? Congressman Chip Roy out of Texas and Dan Bongino. That's it. They're the only two, not one pastor, no Christian that I know, who ripped me and ripped this church online. Nobody's come out and said they were wrong. They're vulnerable because they hate correction. They were vulnerable when you put a mask on. Why would you ever put a mask on when you are a purveyor of the word of God? You're a purveyor of the word of God. Whatever you bind is bound. Whatever you loose is loosed. Why would you ever put a mask on? Not to mention, they just don't work. Just like every other mitigation. They not only don't work, they harm. Masks harm you. Vaccines harm you. And you know, just so everybody knows, all the vaccine data is now being released about all childhood vaccinations. It's all coming out now. Ain't good. Ain't good. Those of you mamas right now that are pregnant, keep those needles out of those kids. Why would you get an HPV virus, HPV vaccination for your child who's four days old? You're going to be having sexual contact anytime soon for human papillomavirus? Hepatitis? Why are they getting vaccinated? Why? Give me a break. It's all about control. And it's all about shortening your life. Nice, short, controlled life. You're welcome. Yeah, listen. I know. You, 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 get a va you vaccinate your kids, you're not going to hell, neither are they. It's as nice as I can be. But you need to be looking at data. They just came out, I'll tell you this, just came out, we put on the podcast last night, that everybody last year, so 2022, that received their combo vaccination, you know, Travis Kelsey style, I'll take uh, two for one, says the idiot. <laughs> Who got their combo vax with flu and COVID. Yeah. Lo and behold, they're getting blood clots. 
That came out not from Tom Lipley, not from the TLP, not from Alex Jones, not from Dan Bongino, not from Steve Bannon, ABC News. Getting blood clots. Lo and behold, it's shocking, shocking. I can't, I can't believe it. Blood clots are following another COVID vaccination, another COVID booster. When you dump a whole bunch of spike proteins in your bloodstream with nanolipid particles, uh, it has a tendency to coagulate. Because you know what your body's not supposed to have in it? S-spike proteins and nanolipid particles. Not supposed to be in there. So if you win people to a watered-down message, what have you won them to? What have you won them to? Revelation chapter 2, 12 through 14, titled, it's the Church of Pergamos, titled The Compromising Church. Some couples get up and leave when I was talking about vaccinations. Can't believe it. <laughs> Shocking. I never judge why they left. I don't say it anymore because it's burned me, but it is 12.02. So they have been in church for two hours, a whole two hours. <laughs> the Compromising Church. And to the angel of the church of Pergamos write, these things says he who has a sharp two-edged sword. I know your works and where you dwell. Now this is a nice thing to say about the church from Jesus. I know your works and where you dwell, where Satan's throne is. And you go to a soft peddling church and you don't want correction? That's Jesus talking. Saying to a legit church at Pergamos who still had hope He's telling them that your church is where Satan's throne is because you're preaching an accommodating message. You're morphing Jesus into accommodation. Doesn't matter whether you just keep sinning or not. We've, you know, as a matter of fact, you continuing to sin and considering yourself saved is Jesus. That's what they teach him now. Wrong. Nope. Where Satan's throne is, I'm in verse 13. And you hold fast to my name. See, no, hope, hope, all, not all hope is lost. It did not deny my faith, even in the days where Antipas was my faithful martyr, who was killed among you, where Satan dwells. Ouch. I really hope that God does not come and talk to me that way. That would hurt. Hey, Tom, you know that, that church you pastor called Foundation Church? That's where Satan's throne is. Okay, I would resign. Because <laughs> if I've created a church where Satan's throne is, I'm gonna leave. <laughs> we got about 11 minutes to go. Everybody good? I watched the clock the entire time. But I have a few things against you, says Jesus, because you have there those who hold to the doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel to eat things, sacrifice to idols, and to commit sexual immorality. So if you're telling people in the church that sin is okay, you are following the doctrine of Balaam, 2 Peter 2.15. And you are making them vulnerable to be five, six times vaccinated, locked down, mask on, 15-minute cities, 57 times vaccinated, which, by the way, is the estimation for for vaccination schedule for the next few years. That you be vaccinated 57 times. You will be vulnerable. You will be, now I told you, the guaranteed monthly income that's coming out. Australia is trying to go completely cashless. The largest city in the world, largest country in the world, China, 1.4 billion people, is already entirely cashless. Ukraine is entirely cashless. 
It's all to leverage you into taking the mark of the beast. It all starts with preaching a lukewarm message that makes you spiritually vulnerable. You don't live in the word of God, which is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. You don't live like that. You live with a butter knife Christianity. An accommodating Christianity makes you vulnerable because you have no foundation. You need to understand that the kingdom of heaven suffers violence and the violent take it by force. It's not a common, it's not soft-spoken. Jesus was not, did not speak in a monotone voice. So why are we? Jesus did not accommodate sin. He did not accommodate sickness, illness, or disease. He did not accommodate poverty. He conquered all of those things. And when you preach an accommodating message that sin is allowed, I don't care what sin it is, whether it's gossip, I'm around pastors and they gossip all the time. Like, shut up, man. Who do you want to go to hell? Better not ask me, I'll tell them. Nobody asked me, I don't know why, nobody asked me any questions. <laughs> Never. I'm the last one to find out anything. I'm the last one in my home to find out anything. Nobody talks to me first. I'm like, why don't they come to me first? I don't know why. Norma's back here shaking her head. I can see you back there to my left. Come to me first. I consider myself nicer than hope. Hope, hope goes, that's the problem. You consider yourself. I do. They all, they all go to me. They go to me last. They go to me last. Nobody tells me the inner works in my family. Nobody tells me. That's why I had, to, I, had to, I had to get a piece of core with my mother. I said, Mom, listen, I know that you don't want to hear about my politics, and I know that you don't want to hear about uh, what the Bible says. I said it to her. I said, I'll leave it out. Let's just go ahead and have conversations, all right, so we can have a relationship, all right, so, so you don't have to hide from me. I'm not going to say anything. You want to know my opinion about it? I'll be gladly tell you. That's really how Jesus operated. Jesus didn't go everywhere. Jesus went to the synagogue you can go in here and preach or not. Any, any of his messages, if you could go or not, it's up to you. I didn't force it down. It, but so if she wants to hear what I have to say about her life, she can ask. And I will gladly tell you. But you're preaching a watered-down message. What are you actually winning people to? You're actually winning them to the doctrine of Balaam who taught Balak to put a stumbling block before the children of Israel. How? By telling them to eat food sacrificed to idols and to commit sexual immorality. Sexual immorality is always right there, isn't it? What is this, what is this Balaam, son of Baor? 2 Peter 2.15. They have left, here it is. Now here's the modern church. You're like, this is speaking very specifically to the modern church. They have left the straight way and wandered off to follow the way of Balaam, son of Beor, who loved the wages of wickedness. It's in the modern church. They have left the straight way. Well, that's just all works-based. Obedience is not works-based. It's not works-based. Obedience is faith. Amen. I already illustrated that to you. Write that those verses down. Hebrews 3, 18 and 19. Obedience is faith. Faith without works is dead. 
There is no faith without works. There is no works without faith. If you do works without faith, they're meaningless. If you have faith without works, it's meaningless. But he, 2 Peter 2, 16 and 17, but he, the false prophet, I want all the pastors who are watching this, who preach a lukewarm message. You know, I know you are. You're not watching live. I'm looking at the camera right now. I know you're not watching live, but you spy on my church all the time. And you're mad and you're upset because I preach a gospel you're too scared to preach. It's the truth. Yeah, too scared. People will leave. People will leave. Listen, you, you, gotta get, you gotta get used to Jeff Tomas walking out of your service like he is right now. <laughs> you can't be, don't, don't that's, that's, why every, that's why so many people hate Trump. Why do they hate Trump? Because he's an alpha male. It bothers them. Am I saying he's perfect? Absolutely not. Hate what he did with COVID. Hate what he did with vaccinations. I'm just telling you, he's an alpha male and it bothers all those geldings. All the geldings that are walking around. All the geldings. Is they're afraid to say what needs to be said. Uh, we really don't want to move the uh, embassy to Jerusalem because uh, the PLO won't stand for it. Hamas won't stand for it. Hezbollah won't stand Who cares? Move it. That's, that's chutzpah. That's cajones. They can't stand it. Listen, if you're cajone-less, somebody with cajones bothers you. That's male or female, because there's women with cajones. You got them. I mean, it's figurative. It's figurative. I'm not transgender here. I'm just telling you. It's figurative. But there's women with guts and courage, obviously. And other women will be jealous of you because they can, or men. Men will be jealous, or they'll follow you around like a lapdog because you're the ruler of your house. I won't get into that right now. Man, stop being scared of your wives, please. 180 degree turn now, now, now. Amen. Suffer the repercussions. Does that mean you might have to be a monk for a couple months? Well, be a monk for a couple months. <laughs> Think about saying something, I don't know. <laughs> this is how it works with women. Let me tell you this. I'm gonna tell you this, and I told you this before, but in case you missed it, because it's basically a new church every year here because so many people leave and come in. So, the best thing you can do if you want to, let me just say in case there's tender ears in here, increase activity in the bedroom. The worst thing you can ever be to a woman is needy. They, they, and here's, but here's the dichotomy of women. I'll, I'm going to finish. I won't even go any further. I'm going to finish with this. <laughs> Nothing to do with the message. Here, I'll, I'll prove it to you. There you go. Done. Done. Here's the dichotomy of women, though. They will try to turn you into that which they hate. And be mad at you for giving in to them turning you into it. They actually want you to resist what they're doing, but cognitively, they don't want you to resist. But inside, because women live in a multidimensional level, 
inside in the deepest reaches of their soul, they actually want you to resist them feminizing you. But not in their mind and not in their heart. They, women actually are, I mean, why is it that every woman loves Sam Elliott? Is it correct, Sam Elliott? See, ooh, because he's a man. The, the characters that he plays are, are men and they all love it. But they take the husband instead of trying to turn him into Sam Elliott, they try to turn him into a leader of a pride parade. But back to increasing action inside the, inside the bedroom. <laughs> You're welcome, dear. <laughs> the best way is to not need it. Because <laughs> it bothers them then. <laughs> When you're like a lap dog falling around, ha, 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 please, oh, please. No, nope. <laughs> Some of you, I'm looking at faces right now. It's a mixed bag, it's a mixed bag in this room right now. Nope. She'll come to you then. That's, listen, men have their problems. Men exclusively are going to hell for lust. Why women go to hell, I don't know. And of course, I don't know. They'll go to hell for whatever reasons they go to hell, I'm not in their mind. Men go to hell, everybody watching Pornhub are men. I know, oh no, there's a small, I, I, no, I don't care. You know who the women are watching Pornhub? They're watching it with their husband or their boyfriend. That's the way it is, all right? So please, don't bother, don't bother. You can ask the cops in this room. I try, I try never to point them out to you. Ask them how many pervs they've ever arrested that are women. The underwear burglars. <laughs> you have them every year, they pop up. Some guy breaking into houses, taking women's underwear. It's never a guy, it's never, it's never a woman breaking into a man's house and stealing his jockeys. Ooh, ooh, look what I got. What's that stain? Never happens. There's no women peeping in windows. It's always the dude. Telling you, trust me. Worship team, make your way. I hope that helps some people today. So all that I'm trying to do is be helpful. 12:16. I'm even one. I'm only one minute overtime right now. No, listen, you don't have to get all solemn because we're about to do our altar call. You don't have to do that. You don't have to. You can laugh through the altar. God's laughing. God laughs all the time. Your laughter is his gift to you. You don't have to get all solemn. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you need to get saved today, now is your time. If you're a Christian, you've fallen away from the faith, now is your time. If you've never gotten saved, now is your time. If you're a fraudulent believer, now is your time to get things right with God, to become a legitimate believer. Now is your time. Now is your moment. On this 29th day of October, 2023, on the verge of 44 months of 15 days to flatten the curve, right now. Now is your time, right at this moment. It doesn't have to be a heavy thing. The man standing before you in this context cannot judge you because I myself 
am a sinner saved by grace. Other pastors don't like to say that because I'm no longer a sinner. That's true. But I was once a sinner saved by grace. I don't have the right to be disgusted by your sin because I myself had to have grace or I was going to pay for my own sin burning, gnashing in hell for all of eternity. So I'm offering you the exact same grace that I myself received. A grace that is received by confession. A grace that is received by repentance. A 180 degree turn from your sin. That's it. Simple as that. You're not joining this church, although you should. Although we don't take membership, so it'll be awfully hard to join it. When I say join, I mean attend. But if that's you and you need to get your life right with God, you're like, Tom, this is a solemn time. It doesn't have to be solemn. It doesn't have to be. We do that. It doesn't have to be solemn. This is salvation. This is, this is excitement. It's a big deal right now. People get saved. So if that's you and you know that you need to get your life right with God, which means right now that you're living in sin. doesn't mean that you're an alcoholic. You could just be living in some sort of even acceptable sin in the world's eyes. But sin is sin in the eyes of God, and that's all that counts when he's going to be your judge. Jesus, in particular, will be your judge. So with every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you and you want to get your life right with God, I'm going to set, you, I'm going to set your heart at ease right now. You're not going to get out of your seat. You're not going to come to the front. You're not going to be taken to a back room. Nobody's looking around but me. You will stay in your seat this entire time. That's all I'm going to ask of you. Nobody's even going to know but me. If you need to get your life right with God, right where you are sitting, stretch your hand up into the air as high as you can stretch it so I can see you. I got you all over this room. I got you. I'm going from my left to right. Got you. Got you. Got you center right. Got you all the way to the right. God bless you. You can put them down. Very proud of you. God bless each and every one of you. Those of you who lifted up your hands, the entire church is going to pray this out loud with you. You pray it directly to God. You believe it. You receive it and you are saved. The entire church is gonna pray it out loud with you. You pray it, and you are saved. Everybody, here we go. Lord Jesus, I ask you right now to come into my life and be my Lord and be my Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins, and I now turn from them, and I give you my life from this day on, in Jesus' name. Church shouts, easy as that, right? Amen.